You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Indiana Jones is back, pursued by Belloc. <laughs> Befriended by Solomon, threatened by Toast, and loved by Marion. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are enemies. And all of them are returning this summer. They are all Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the greatest adventure film of all time. Jones! I'm gonna blow up the Ark, Renee! And it will always be fun. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark. everybody and welcome to GeekFest Rants. My name is Carlos Perón and today we are hitting posters of the month once again. This time around we are going to look at an international Raiders of the Lost Ark poster. One that might be familiar to a few of you and it kind of made its way to the American audience in a in a kind of like a back <laughs> door kind of way. And then we're going to look at an Empire Strikes Back poster that's also primarily a foreign used poster with a completely different style to it but nonetheless a fantastic interpretation of the empire strikes back so let's begin with our posters of the month right now you can collect them all you Batteries not included. Just get those wonderful toys. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the six million dollar man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each. One to display, one to open, and one just in case. All right, let's get started with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, now, we've done Raiders before. We've done a number of Raiders of the Lost Ark posters. We did the original, then the re-release. And we mentioned, we didn't go deep into it, but we mentioned that there was a third one that I was aware of floating around out there that I actually had on the album, the storybook album of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, that poster, that art is from Drew Struzan. Probably don't have to tell you guys by now who Drew Struzan is. He is one of the top, probably five poster artists that used to work in this particular field. And this is a poster that was not very well seen in the US because it's used 
or it was used primarily for the international release of Raiders of the Lost Ark. However, apparently, it was also used for the 10th anniversary re-release of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I personally don't remember that. I don't remember if I went to any 10th anniversary re-release of Raiders. I, I just cannot, my memory is just blank. I guess I would have to go dig through my, my diaries to see if there's any record. I guess that would have been in 1991. But anyway, the poster that I have, let me describe it to you so we can kind of get on the same page here. And again, if you have that album, that storybook album of Raiders, that's the, the art we're talking about. What you see on the poster is Indy and Marion standing side by side on the top, staring kind of straight out. Around them is the frame of a, like an Egyptian temple. Around the middle and the bottom, you have flames right dead center. In the bottom, you have the Ark, and then you have some photos, which art based on photos. A lot of this is, is art based on photos. Of on the right, Indy on a horse. On the left, Belloc. Uh, you do see a, a slight line of what appears to be camels and people riding camels. Then slightly below, you have Dietrich, the Nazi commander and a big cobra next to him, and Belloc and Toth. On the other side, with also an, a big snake uh, next to him. Again, you know, it's uh, symbolism is there. You know, it's there. Uh, it does have the Raiders logo, but it's very tiny. Because behind the Raiders logo, you see a big 10, where it says 10th anniversary. Now, once again, this is a Drew Struzan picture. And initially doing the research, just on the internet alone, I, I wasn't able to find too much. But then I, I remember that I have a... Drew Struzan art book. And man, do I wish we had a book like this for most of these artists that we talk about. Because the first poster that he talks about in this book, and the book is called The Art of Drew Struzan. And I think it came out like 10 or 12 years ago. And it highlights some of his major, major works. But anyway, the first one they talk about here, ironically, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they do talk about the fact that if you're used to thinking of Raiders, just like I have mentioned in the past, you know, my first image of Raiders, again, when you're dealing with posters or merchandising or anything like that, is the Amcel poster. You know, that famous Amcel poster that I eventually got because the one that I had purchased originally was his second poster, the, the one that I kind of considered to be more of a comic bookish poster. Now, if you guys remember, part of the, I guess, the reasoning of the design of the original poster was not to reveal too much. The original poster had Indy, and I think he had a little small picture on the side of him and Marion, and then another tiny little picture on the side of him on a horse. Well, the theory, which, I mean, I, I can't prove it, of course, but again, from learning of all these other films, and especially since you're dealing with Lucas and Spielberg, you kind of think, okay, well, these guys, they have a way of doing things, was that, I guess, on the initial poster, you don't want to reveal too much. Uh, this is something that happens a lot <laughs> with posters, and, and especially, you know, once we talk about Star Wars, for example, talk about not revealing too much, you know, you have some surprises that you don't want to disclose on the poster. 
And also in the bottom of the poster, the, the lower, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, the lower six or seventh section is where you have the credits. Um, now, I have a, a reproduction, as I usually do with some of these older posters. And I remember when I first got it, I was like not very impressed with the quality. And I might still be right that this is partially a poorly printed poster. However, I'm looking around on websites and, and I'm, I'm trying to, to compare and I don't know, maybe it's just a badly produced poster. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure exactly what it is, but the point here is this, the art that I have for this poster is the art for the international poster that was later reused for the 10th anniversary by a company called Killian, which is a familiar sounding name because i think if i remember right killian also produced i think that other cool star wars posters that has all the posters in the poster if you guys remember where is it's like a collector's poster of what posters to collect so that that is who is credited for putting out this particular 10th anniversary poster but the bottom line is that you're basically recycling old art one of the things about finding out you know, the history of that particular poster. And it's very super handy in this particular case is the fact that in this book, like I said, Struzan talks about the fact that he was commissioned to do three comps. And he did. He did three color comps. And out of those three comps, this poster emerged. Not as a direct copy of one of those comps, but he then, based on the feedback he got, he was able to mash up together the final poster, which is what we have now. In the book, he talks about how, because how at that time he had a partner that dealt with the business side and he dealt with the creative side. And, and that is a, that is something that had been documented before. I forget where I read it. I might've read it or, or listened to it in his documentary that he had a huge falling out with his partner and this partner ended up stealing a lot of his paintings, a lot of his money and whatever. But one of the things he said that, that was that even though he was working at the time for Star Wars or for some Star Wars properties or for even Raiders, he never really had a chance to interact directly with Lucas or Spielberg, you know, during that period of time. All he had was the instructions of, okay, we want a poster. Here's a brief description of what the movie's about. And here's a couple of stills from the production. And that is something that is very interesting because the images he draws i do remember seeing them as photographs so you can kind of tell he's using a photograph as a reference to what he's drawing to what he's painting as a matter of fact even some of the pictures look familiar indie riding on the horse on the middle right side looks a lot like the indie riding on the horse you know on some of these other posters it almost looks as if a lot of the artists that were supplied a lot of the same photographic material, you know, for references. But what is very, very clear here is that when you look at the different comps that he made, there are certain elements that were basically lifted from the comp and brought over to the final poster. So, for example, the picture of Belloc, that kind of moved from comp to comp to final poster. Uh, the picture of Toth, same thing. Uh, it moves from one to the other to the final poster. Obviously, positioned in a different location. And uh, let's see, Dietrich. 
He's also brought over to the final poster. Now, with Indian Marion, one note that he was given was that they wanted them to be equally sized as projected to be co-stars, equally, you know, size-wise on the poster. Because the different comps that he had, he had her kind of off to the side a little bit, you know, not as large as Indy, you know, in terms of the star, the co-star, you know, that kind of thing. So by the time we get to that third poster, you know, the first, second, and third comp, she's kind of like your traditional damsel in distress, let's say. Again, you got to think about the the feel of this movie and, you know, it's the 40s. It's, uh, you know, you, you're trying to get that feel, or at least on the poster anyway. She's kind of off to the side. He's She's hanging on to Indy, you know, that kind of thing. Indy's standing in one, and she's kind of crouched next to his leg on the other. You know, very classic romantic kind of posing by the time we get to the final poster she's standing next to him kind of like holding her own she's slightly behind them but size wise they're pretty much the same at this point the final version of Indy that we see is also from one of the comps so it's really neat how you can see the progression of we try this we try this oh keep that keep that get rid of this keep that get rid of that the other note that he was given when putting together the final, final poster is to remove any Nazi emblems, swastikas, all that kind of stuff. Remove it. I mean, you can keep the character, but remove the symbols. And that's something that I, I never really noticed before. Or, or it never really came up that clear. So, again, if I'm looking at these comps, I can see that some of them, not all of them, but some of them do have... Nazi symbols because you you know they're the bad guys of the film, especially the last comp has a, a big big uh, multiple Nazi symbol section. But by the time we get to the final one, yes, he did remove them all, as did all other posters that were put out for Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark, for that matter. You look at the Amsel ones, you're like, oh my god, that's right, there are no Nazi symbols. Even the the UK version of the poster, because yes, there is another, there are multiple versions by even another artist called Brian Bysouth or Bysouth, something like that, uh, which I don't know, maybe one day we'll talk about. That yeah, I'm like a completely different style, completely different looking poster, and yes, everybody is avoiding the Nazi symbols, which is. Very, very interesting that that is one of the, the, the mandates, uh, you know, of the creators of the film. Another thing that Struzan talks about in the book uh, having to do with this poster and just in general, I guess, is that, well, in this particular poster, if you look at the top left around Indy's hat to the left of that, there's this inscription and to the right, there's also another inscription. So you have the, the Egyptian like wings and then two inscriptions. And he was asked eventually at, at some point, many years later, I think by Lucas to, as to what that means. And he said, that's the word God in Hebrew, almost as if to imply that the Ark was manufactured by God, you know, in terms of, again, the mythology of what we're dealing with here. So he kind of wrote it on there. Uh, the other thing that he mentioned is that because he was using a uh, an Egyptian theme, in other words, you know, to do the uh, the border work, you know, using those columns and that top piece there. Uh, on the column on the right, he says there's a something called a cartouche, and I've heard that name before, and it's kind of like a little square with a line going through it. And if you kind of follow the line, it almost looks like a, like an S. You could kind of see an S being formed. And he says that that is something he used to do back then when he used to work with his partner in order to be able to hide 
his signature more or less or his initial s because back then he says that it was encouraged at least by his partner not to put his name on the poster again i am familiar with that whole thing about not putting your name on the poster people not letting you do that as an artist discouraging you from doing that and that is more of a power move in terms of this is a way to be able to hide you know who the actual person who did it is and be able to take credit you know by someone else whether it's an agency or a partner that's trying to rip you off in this particular case but he says that 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 is something that you'll find sometimes he says way 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 later when he started to reclaim some of these paintings because he says he lost a ton of paintings to this partner that he had and he had to then repurchase them back from collectors to kind of get his paintings back he says that in the process of refurbishing this particular painting this particular one he had to repaint it because it was so damaged by the sun the fading and one of the things that he did was he actually added his signature to it on the top right which is something that back then you know he wasn't doing now, ironically enough, at, at a certain point, Lucas ended up rebuying this painting from Struzing again <laughs> uh, from him to have in his archives. You know, and, and like I said, we, we do see this painting being reused every now and then in certain areas. Now, the further irony of this whole issue having to do with signatures is that as he got more famous, as he got more popular as an artist... You know, and people started to identify his paintings with, you know, a certain movie poster done by Struzan, you know, the, the whole collector market, you know, that started to, to pop up. Sometimes he had to add his signature, just like he did on his own for this one that he bought back. But sometimes, you know, if something were to get damaged to something, they would ask him to please, uh, you know, add your signature back and that sort of thing. Because at the time, the market had shifted so much from a downplay the artist to upplay the artist which is something that we are definitely not in anymore we are not in that kind of uh, marketplace anymore the book is fantastic i strongly recommend you get this book if you like struzan and there is like i said there is a documentary too that talks a, a lot about this but what i also absolutely loved was the introduction and the introduction is pretty pretty long here but let me just read the first two paragraphs, actually three paragraphs, from Frank Darabont, the movie director, he directed the first couple of episodes of The Walking Dead, The Green Mile, The, 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 the Shawshank Redemption, uh, you name it. Darabont is a big, big fan of Struzan, but let me, let me just read this to you, just to, to get an idea of what we're talking about. Memo to the reader from a crabby old man on the subject of movie posters. I have seen the future, and it sucks. There, I said it. Someone had to. Send your complaints to City Hall. There is no sugarcoating this. Movie posters suck these days. They're going to suck even more tomorrow. And as we shuck and jive, and text and Facebook, ever onward into the digital future, movie posters will just keep doggedly and willfully sucking all the more. It's a headlong progression of suckage, a symptom of mass-produced, everything-by-committee mindset of our culture. The sad thing about movie posters sucking is that many people no longer even notice or don't care. It is such a great essay that he writes, and I encourage you to read the rest of it, because he talks about the thing that I've been talking about forever now, and that is, I grew up on a certain aesthetic, and that aesthetic has left us already. 
If you grew up in the 40s and 50s, there's a certain style of posters that you would see in a movie theater that to me are not as appealing. And that's because everybody likes what they like and they like a lot of things that are of their time. Maybe it's when you're young that it kind of ingrains in you and it stays with you for the rest of your life. But if I look at the history of poster making, yes, you have those earlier ones, you have those earlier ones. But something happens in the 70s for me, and something definitely happens in the 80s. And once we get to the 90s, it starts to say goodbye. You could see them waving goodbye at you. (laughs) And this essay that Darabont wrote, you know, as the introduction, as the foreword to the Struzan book is dead, 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 dead on. As I said before, I got this poster is a reprint. I got it, I think, at walmart.com. And yeah, the the quality, it's very unusual because, you know, I'm used to seeing the word Raiders huge in the middle. But I have to remember, this poster was originally meant for international. So they purposely left a lot of stuff there in the middle so that you could insert whatever, you know, foreign language name you put in there. And I, I honestly do not remember seeing uh, this re-release. I, again, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I personally dislike the way that they squeezed Raiders and 10th Anniversary. It should have been bigger. It should have been bolder, richer. But this is how they decided to do it. I do, however, remember seeing Raiders on some kind of re-release. It might have been at the Alamo back in New York when they were promoting the the Blu-ray release, maybe? I don't know what anniversary we're talking about here. 40th? Oh my god, 40th? Could it have been the 30th anniversary or something like that? It was around the time the Blu-ray came out. I remember re-seeing it in the theater, but I don't know, maybe I did see it. I don't, I just can't remember. It was so long ago. And that has another poster that we will be talking about in the future, because it was so well done. But, again, this is another one of these Oh my God, it's not the first one that comes to mind, but it is a really cool looking poster. It's dark as compared to the other ones. This one's much darker. And it's like, why would they pick the other ones? Well, the other ones are good too. The other ones are damn good. And I, and I, I, I still hold on to the fact that the original one, the Amcel one sheet is the one that I prefer. I always love that poster. It's bare bones. It doesn't give you too much. But it's it's weird also that for the international audience, it's like they're giving you a little more of a taste of what's going on. So is it possible that for the international audience, you're willing to give them a little more spoilery information to kind of entice them a little more into, into getting in there and watching this film? That's a possibility. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows how these things are thought of. Another interesting thing is that the uh, second Amcel poster that we talked about a while back, you know, you have uh, the bordering around it is all, I, I think, of, of the South American jungle temple, you know, the opening sequence motif. And, and this time around, it is Egypt motif. So it, it's good that Struzan didn't kind of repeat himself from what Amcel was doing. He kind of went in a different direction. And I also wonder if... Did Struzan have access to Amsel's work? This way, he he would know what not to do. You know, do they give the artists that those instructions that are listen? We're we're giving this to a few artists, and this guy is already kind of heading in that direction. You might want to do something different. You know, so you can so you don't kind of repeat yourselves. Again, if we ever do the Brian by South one, that is going to be the most unusual of all of them, as far as I'm concerned. But we'll deal with that. Uh, in the future. In the meantime, you can get this poster at Amazon. 
you can get this poster. I got it at Walmart. I'm sure they probably get it at Amazon and so many other places. A, a reproduction. I think it's under 20 bucks. But it's great. It's a great poster. And luckily, like I said, I at least have the original album cover <laughs> for the storybook of the movie with this print on it. Our next poster is The Empire Strikes Back. And this is definitely one that I have not done before. It's one that I've kind of become familiar with later in life, let's say. Obviously, the uh, the biggie, the big one, is the Castell Gone with the Wind Empire Strikes Back poster, which I'm not entirely sure if I really dove into that one yet head on. I've, I've, I think I've skirted around that poster a number of times. Because the ones that I owned originally, I, you know, I have a reproduction Castell, but the ones that I owned originally were Jung posters for Empire, the Jung versions of the posters. And even recently, I think I talked about one of the international, mainly European versions. So you have the, the, the Gone with the Wind, then you have the European ones, which are the, the Jungs, which is the, the Vader with the, the, the sword down and the picture of Han and picture of Leia and, you know, the, the, that kind of uh, either in a pink, purple, or blue motif. But then there's this third tier poster, if you will, it's, it, and it depends on what market you go, which is more associated with Asia, South America, Australia, you know, the, the international market. And this is a poster done by a former artist named Noriyoshi Orai. And the story goes that, again, when Lucas was brainstorming, you know, for ways to come up with a poster for Empire, and he, you know, he's peppering the entire <laughs> industry, you know, trying to get a different artist to, you know, put up some concept work for him. He wanted to see what this Japanese artist could do, because he somehow got a hold of some of his magazines, uh, covers that he did, some of the artwork that he did in Japan. He was already a pretty established artist. He did a, a little bit of work before and a lot of work after, you know, the, the fact that he got connected to Lucas at one point, you know, made him a, a pretty hot commodity for, for Japanese art. He also ended up doing a lot more art for Star Wars, for comic books, for all kinds of additional, you know, material, media, print material. But, you know, the guy did a ton of Godzilla stuff and, you know, you name it. But for Star Wars, primarily his big, big poster is this one. And like I said, this is a poster I wasn't very familiar with. I kind of seen a little, you know, thumbnails of this poster when it came to investigating, you know, the international poster world. Uh, I did a show a long time ago about you know, the international posters, all the different variations that were out there. And this was just another one that kind of flew by and, and it kind of stuck because, you know, there was, to me, there, there was, there's a point where some of these posters start to veer into the airbrush Photoshop. I know this is pre Photoshop, but basically taking photos, cutting them out and making a collage. You know, I, I, I would use the word collage a lot. And I, you know, when I was describing these posters and those are the ones that I kind of I'm not crazy about Japan had a few of them. I think France had a few of them. There's a couple of countries that, yeah, they, they kind of veer into that direction. You know, I'm, I'm always biased towards the art. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an art person, brush, pencil, you know, that kind of thing. But this is one that kind of struck because while on one hand, it has a lot of characters in the poster, way more than I expected. 
The positioning and the size of the characters I find very interesting. I know I use that word way too much. Given the history of how these things are designed, and again, you got to keep in mind that whatever crazy psychological reason for the way posters are put together in America, those rules might not apply in other countries. You know, while we might be more susceptible to a certain design, a different country will be completely different. And as you can remember, if you if you think back to that international poster special that I had a while back, when you get to some of those Eastern Bloc countries back in the 80s, the style of the posters are so out there, like so out there that you it's it's like another planet in terms of what are they even what movie are they even trying to sell here because you you know it's it's just a weird different style but anyway this particular poster which let me describe it first and just so you know the reason that i got even more familiar with this poster out of all things in the world is a while back i wanted to buy a couple of star wars t-shirts with an international poster design. So I was trying to look for, well, you know, because I'm from Uruguay, I was trying to look for t-shirts that had, you know, Star Wars or or any of its uh, sequels in Spanish to see what poster was being used and what logo was being used and what phrasing was being used. And I was able to find a Star Wars one and a Return of the Jedi one. And then for The Empire Strikes Back, I found this one, which is like, oh, wow, this is just like the international, uh, you know, the Japanese one. And it was basically in Spanish. Now, for the South American market, at least, the research I was able to find, unfortunately, doesn't cover too many countries in terms of which countries use what poster, but primarily Brazil and Argentina. And both of them, I believe, have this art too. And that's the t-shirt I was able to find. I mean, it was a cheapy little old t-shirt I got at walmart.com or something, but hey, it's like, wow, they actually have it in Spanish. It's amazing. And I'm pretty sure they have it in Japanese or even some other languages, but at that particular time I was looking for the Spanish version. But anyway, now compared to the other two posters that we're more familiar with, this poster I find a lot darker, a lot more menacing. You have, uh, let's say, I would say about half the poster is the silhouette of Vader in a slight greenish tint up top. You kind of see a more or less stars that kind of make up his helmet you see these shooting up lines that could be the trail of spaceships. You do see a couple of X-Wings with trails behind them, so you can kind of make that connection and say, oh, those are supposed to be just spaceships everywhere. There's a big, big light cross at the top right of the poster, which is not necessarily connected to anything specific. It's the type of cross that you would have seen with Luke in the original John Star Wars poster, you know, when you... In the poster, the, the lightsaber pointing up, forming that cross symbol. But it's here, but it, again, not necessarily connected to anything specific. The top of the poster says, the Star Wars saga continues. This is the poster I have. Obviously, it'll say something else depending on the language or the particular country. There are some variations. There's a lot of variations to this poster. So now when you get to the middle of the poster, you start to see some actual characters. So for example, you have Lando. Very prominent, and I would say almost second largest figure there in the entire thing. Behind Lando, there's Cloud City. You could see just the edges of it because in front of Cloud City and in front of Lando, you see the the Falcon kind of flying 
Let's see, if you're looking forward, it's flying right to the right and to the top, to the like the one o'clock position on a, on a clock, let's say. So it's kind of dissecting the poster in, in half, but in, in a diagonal manner. It's a very different kind of geometry to a poster. Obviously, everything is still more or less kind of in a triangular manner. Everything builds from the middle downward and from the middle upward, you know, with the big giant Vader head. Then in front of the Falcon, again, this is like a layering. It's like a collage of not pictures, but drawings. Then you have Han and Leia right in front. Leia on the left, Han on the right, and they're about to kiss. This is a shot that is way, way even closer than the Castell one. The Castell is the traditional Gone with the Wind dip, but this is them right about to kiss pretty much from, from the movie. Like It looks like a frame of the movie. They're much closer than the Castell poster. And now their heads are a little bigger than Lando. So again, if you're kind of thinking about the importance of the characters, you know, if you go down that route, because that's a very important thing here in America, and, and especially for actors, you know, the, the the arrangements they made with their agents and the managers, and well, you know, my face must be bigger in the poster than, than, than that person's face, and my name must be big, you know, all that kind of crap. I, I don't know if this is playing a role in it. You go down another notch, and now you have Chewbacca, you have C-3PO, you have R2-D2, and you have Luke below. Luke, size-wise, is much smaller than Lando, even. He's uh, a little bigger than Chewbacca in terms of the ratio of the size and a little bigger than C-3PO and R2-D2. But if you look at this poster, you would think that Luke is not as important as not only Lando, but more, well, way less important than Leia and Han. Again, I don't know if that is playing a factor here. Then if you go a little bit lower to the right, you see a couple of adats kind of coming forward. Now, once again, I'm going to say a lot of these drawings to me look like they came right out of photography. They look just like certain photographs that are out there that I'm very familiar with that were kind of used to make this sort of collage. It almost looks like a collage style design done with art. Through the legs of the adats, you can actually see a giant Tauntaun head, which looks a lot like the Tauntaun from the Castell. You know, that, that traditional photo of Luke on top of the Tauntaun, but here you don't see Luke, you just see the Tauntaun head facing the right. You also see a probot back there. There's a probot back there. Okay, it's a probot. Then you also kind of see a little bit of Dagobah in the background. You see a, what could be a, a, an X-Wing engine maybe back there or something. Now, if we move to the left, there's definitely a X-Wing full of debris and plants, which is the, the X-Wing that comes out of the swamp. You see the back of that. Uh, on top of the X-Wing, you start to see a whole row of bounty hunters. You see Boba Fett, you see IG-88, and then in the middle, you see 2-1-B, like they threw in a, a, a robot-looking things all together. Completely different coloring style than the other ones, the, the more realistic ones. These are more like silhouetted in red. Uh, you see some explosions below them. You see a, a Hoth Rebel turret gun. You see a whole bunch of Rebel soldiers aiming and shooting in the opposite direction, you know, from the, from the trenches, from the Hoth trenches. There's a lot of stuff happening on this poster. And unfortunately, I don't have the information of the how exactly this poster was put together. 
in one of these books that I own called Star Wars Posters. This is the book that has the Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Jedi preview poster in the art on the cover. There is a section where we do get to see all these. And oh yeah, I could see right there that you also can see a whole bunch of... Can you see them? You can't. Wow, there's a difference. That's amazing. Apparently the original one, you can also see some stormtroopers, but I don't see the stormtroopers in mine. That is just simply incredible. Actually, actually, wow, what a difference. There are some subtle differences. That's incredible. And I'm, I'm comparing the Japanese version with the one that I have. And there are some very minor, minor differences, which to me would seem so insignificant, but they're there. They're right there. Incredible. So what I was saying before is that it was I haven't been able to find too much or just about any information having to do with the design of the poster. I do have a picture in this book, in this Star Wars uh, poster book, that has a full-color painted concept treatment for this poster done a year before. And what's similar about it is that it does seem to follow this character after character in a linear fashion for the poster. So here it's a more of a triangle. Everything is a, a pyramid, let's say. But in the initial concept for the poster, the colors are completely different, first of all. The, the, the concept was very orange and yellow centric. But the characters were almost kind of like swooping from the left up to the right top, kind of piled on top of each other. And in the mix of characters, it looks like Luke was on top, and then Leia, and then Han, and possibly that could be Lando. They're very hard to tell because these are very conceptual drawings. Vader looms in the background, and the Falcon goes from, from right to left as opposed to left to right in this case. Again, cutting in an angle. So there was a little bit of that design there already until it became more, I don't know if you can call it geographical or whatever you want to call it in this final version of it. I've seen versions of this poster for other countries where they completely reverse the poster so that everybody's on the opposite side. The Falcon goes the other way. Instead of Leia and Han, it's Han and Leia. You know, Lando's on the right instead of the left. Don't understand why they would do that. The very faint differences between the Japanese version and my version and, the, and even the version here in the book, which I don't know if it's... Let's see, this is called a pre... Oh, I see what we call it here. It's called a pre-final painted artwork. So even the book doesn't have the final, final version, which is what we're looking at. It looks to me like the final version, the biggest difference... Oh, that's amazing. The final version looks like they removed a couple of stormtroopers from the painting. It looks like they changed Leia's arm from red to white. Because I guess white is what she's wearing in the Falcon when they kiss. As opposed to red, which is what she's wearing. <laughs> oh my god. In Bespin. Yeah, it's just, it's just so subtle, the differences. They're just so slightly subtle. And yeah, it also looks like Vader is a little lower, his helmet. And it's a little bigger, I think, too, in the final composited poster. They, they kind of brought, they made him bigger and brought him down some more, you know, to take up a little more real estate, which is traditional in, in a Star Wars poster that you always have Vader kind of hovering over everything. Once again, this is a very different kind of poster. There might be something to the fact that when it comes to international posters, they really don't care too much about withholding characters or surprises. Now, 
I'll tell you what's not on this poster, which doesn't surprise me, but it does surprise me, is Yoda. If they're not shy about showing Boba Fett or Rebels, you know, shooting with the, uh, with, the with, with those radar dishes, you know, in, in Hoth and Lando, which is something that we'll get into when we deal with the original Castell poster, where they purposely removed Lando and 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 Boba Fett and some of these other things because it was more of a reveal thing. They didn't want to give it away. Now I know that with the Castell poster, there was a little bit of controversy where Billy D. Williams complained about the fact that he wasn't being advertised, you know, for some reason. <laughs> hint, hint, and that eventually his, you know, when they, when they revamped the poster, I think they put him back in or something like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly how that went, but we will explore that in the future. And also, given the fact that in the past, now this is Japan as opposed to China, I know those two countries are not the same, but I know with the Chinese audience, there was also this controversy of them downplaying, if not all, removing a black character, Finn, from the, the Force Awakens. When that poster was being circulated, the Chinese version of it had him kind of tiny on the corner. And it's like, wait a minute, this guy's, this, this guy's one of the stars of the film. And they kind of relegate him to really tiny. Here's where this is kind of bizarre. It's like, in this particular case, you know, they're showing you a lot of characters, a lot of characters, not Yoda, I get it. But they're not being shy about spoiling some of the highlights, uh, locations, and the the, 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 the show pieces of the film. You know, the Adats are there, the, the probe droid is there, the, the rebels are fighting, and the, the, the weird-looking bounty hunters, robots... Lando, a brand new character that is going to be playing a very important role in this film and future films. And it's kind of like, okay, I guess that's the way it is because it's an international poster. There are not too worried about spoilers because, again, the international poster, by the time the movie gets to some of these countries, the cat's out of the bag at that point. Again, we're not dealing with, with social media. This is 1982, 83 we're talking about when this poster is being put together. I mean, for Christ's sake, the information I have here is that he was working on this poster as early as 1979. So, who knows? And these posters, again, they, 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 they sometimes get tweaked along the way. There's one version of this poster, the one that I'm using, uh, that I'm looking at here, which is very similar to the one that I have on my wall here that I'm looking at. Also, is credited as being the 1982 re-released, dubbed in Japanese version of Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, variations that these posters go through. And this poster seems to have gone through a lot of, of tweaks internally, externally, uh, you know, where to put the credits, where do the credits go? The one that I have in my wall, which is a reproduction, got it from Amazon, I believe. It was about $13, $14. It's a full-size poster. It's gorgeous. It's a fantastic reproduction as far as I'm concerned. Has the credits in the bottom, like like they usually would, you know, the, the, the space where the credits would go. And it has all the credits on the left side, and then the title of the movie on the right side. It didn't They didn't throw the title right in the middle, because they would then cover up something. Or in some of these international posters, like they have the title right dead in the middle, and then the credits kind of off to the side, separated into two sections. Now, the poster that I have, again, keep in mind, is not a poster that would have been made in the US for a theatrical distribution. This is just a a version of the style of the poster, you know, put together so somebody could see it. As a matter of fact, the uh, trademark copyright says 1996 on the poster. 
from a company called Zigzag Posters in Germany. So the important thing about the poster, as far as I'm concerned, is the style of the art. That's the main thing. The positioning of the credits doesn't really matter much because in all reality, this was not made for this purpose. The closest thing I've seen to something like this is South Africa, believe it or not, where they do have that, uh, you know, title on one side, credits on the other side, uh, you know, left and right, side by side uh, design. Again, a different take on the poster, a much darker, altogether darker poster. You know, the colors are much darker. There's a dark blues and there's dark, dark greens and very good motif for what we get with Empire Strikes Back. And... Definitely another different take on Empire when you compare it to Castell and to Jung without, you know, betraying the, the art of painting brushes and pencils, but in a way kind of tippy-toeing into the Photoshop-y kind of world that we were heading into already at that point. At least this poster doesn't have photos, but I mean, you can tell everything was based on a photo. Except for Lando, I don't remember seeing a photo of Lando from that angle. It's such an unusual angle. And again, it's just so odd. By looking at this poster, you figure that Lando might be the star of the film. Or Han and Leia are the stars. And Lando is just a huge thing that now you have. And then there's this guy called Luke down down there somewhere. <laughs> it's so weird. You know, how what this poster tells you. I guess you would have a different reaction like myself uh, when you already have the history of the film and everything that comes with the film and the posters that already existed and then you're thrown this picture, this painting, and you're like, oh, oh, that's different. It's unusual. It's different. But it's still good. Again, I love the art. The art is what sells it. Even that picture of Lando, like I said, even that pose of Lando that, I, that I'm not very familiar with, it pops. It definitely pops as something that you've seen before. The Gone with the Wind-ish, the, the, the almost kiss, you know, obviously that's a very reminiscent of the Castell one. But you're like, okay, it's kind of like the Castell, but just a little flipped on its side. No pun intended, since the Falcon, you know, is on a diagonal flying. But yeah, just another one of these great international posters. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We looked at two posters for our Posters of the Month segment. First up, we did a Raiders poster, which is another one of these fantastic Struzan creations that, you know, most of you might not be very familiar with because we, you know, we, we're more into the Amsel ones, those two primary ones, the first one and then the re-release poster. But this one is one that eventually found its way to the American audience in a different manner. And not only on the uh, story of Raiders of the Lost Ark album, but on some of the re-releases that, from what I understand, the 10th anniversary re-release. Another great interpretation of the film, you know, uh, as far as a classic Raiders of the Lost Ark poster. Then we looked at The Empire Strikes Back, the international version of the Empire Strikes Back that was used in certain territories. One that I wasn't very familiar with until a couple of years ago when I bought a, a t-shirt. <laughs> Out of all things, it was Empire Strikes Back in Spanish from a Walmart website. And it was like, oh, I think I remember that picture. I think I've seen it somewhere. And yes, it is the international version. This is the one we talked about having Lando all the way on the top, really large. And, you know, we theorized on why they might have done it this way, but it still left us a little bit confused. And 
Again, these are just theories, but another theory that I was thinking about, which is something we kind of hinted at, and that is that when we eventually do the classic Gone with the Wind, Empire Strikes Back's Empire Strikes Back poster. We are going to talk about the controversy of putting Lando or no, or removing Lando or adding Lando to the poster. I have a feeling, again, this is just another theory, that this poster was kind of made specially to make up to Billy D. Williams for not including him in the original poster. This was kind of like, all right, here's what we're going to do. On the international poster, we're going to make you the top star. You know, you're going to get the practically the biggest picture uh you know above everyone else <laughs> more or less so that could have been part of the reasoning why you know you would have him there so large compared to luke skywalker you know like i said before he's he's bigger than luke skywalker he's almost as big as han and leia and he's basically on the top you know of the pyramid of characters so maybe that's what it was all about it was about a sort of apology maybe for not putting him in the original poster so they made him the you know the top dog <laughs> on this poster but again that's just my theory anyway thank you guys for listening and we will see you here soon on geek fest rants bye-bye everybody また来そうだ。今お前にとって危険な時だ。コースの暗黒面からの誘惑にかかりかねない。決して恐れません。さてどうか。そうではない。やるか、やらぬかだ。試しなといらん。愛してるわ。知ってたさ。放送を備えたよう